In just a few weeks, many of us with school-aged children will be sending them off for the next chapter in their educational lives. Others of us who homeschool will be calling them to the kitchen table for the same purpose. In either case, an unintended relationship lesson kids learn at one point or another in their schooling is that people will inevitably disappoint us. Today's episode is about how we can respond to this disappointment in ways that will bring out the best in us, regardless if we're in kindergarten or a graduate of the School of Hard Knocks, class of 1958 and beyond. But before we get into all this, here's Carol. Welcome to You Were Made For This. If you find yourself wanting more from your relationships, you've come to the right place. Here you'll discover practical principles you can use to experience the life-giving relationships you were made for. And now here's your host, John Sertalic. Hey, thank you, Carol. And yes, it's me, John Sertalic. I'm your award-winning author and relationship coach, here to help you find more joy in the relationships God designed for you. If you're new to the podcast, the easiest way to access upcoming episodes is to go to johnsertalic.com and click on the follow or subscribe button. That's John with an H and Sertalic with a C at the beginning and the end and a bunch of letters in between, <laughs> dot com. For today, I have a story that's an encore from way back in episode 53. It involves snow, and lots of it, which is especially pleasant to think about in light of the heat wave sweeping across the U.S. and Europe here in August of 2022. It's a story about one of my grandkids who saw firsthand how people disappoint us. And then I'll have a few comments about how we can respond to this disappointment, regardless of our age or where we are in life. So, let's begin. If you have ever spent any significant time around children, do you remember the times your heart ached for them when they discovered that life can be harsh? Where they experience the sadness of relational pain? When your child's network of friends all get invited to a birthday party, except your kid? When a child's favorite pet dies? When all your teenager's friends have been asked to homecoming, but not yours? These examples raise the question of, who's going to be there for me when I need them? When children face the harsh reality that people they thought would be there for them don't show up, We call it a loss of innocence. You see this theme in literature all the time. That classic American novel, To Kill a Mockingbird, is a great example. In that story, Scout, the young girl, comes face to face with the racism she sees in the adults she had respected in her small hometown in the South. And loss of innocence doesn't stop with childhood. Let me share a story that illustrates this, and then a way we can best deal with this inconvenient relationship reality. We recently visited our daughter in South Carolina, and shortly before we were to head back home, there was a seven-inch snowfall in 
our hometown of New Berlin, Wisconsin. Prior to that, our son had uh, texted us and asked if we had made arrangements to take care of the snow. And it had completely slipped my mind, and I said no. Well, then he said that he would send um, his son, George, our 18-year-old grandson, over over the next day to, to shovel. I have a snowblower, but I hadn't taken the time to show him how to use it, so he was going to shovel. And I then uh, texted George and told him just to clear a path to the garage for our car. Uh, we have a two-car garage and a two-car driveway. And I said, I, I would finish the rest uh, with our snowblower when I got home. Well, George texted me, and uh, when he said he had finished shoveling, he said, it was some of the heaviest snow I have ever shoveled, but I got it done. Well, good for him. We returned uh, then a few days later, and I stopped over uh, to pay him. I told him I would pay him for his, for his efforts. He's been saving money for college, and I wanted to help him a little bit. So we had a brief conversation and uh, you know about some small talk regarding other things. And, and then he brought up this uh, snow shoveling experience again. And he said something along the lines of the following. This is George talking. I was out there a long time shoveling, and after a while, I wondered why none of your neighbors stopped over to ask if they could help. I mean, when our neighbor, Mrs. Fabina, was alive, uh, my brother Grant and I would always shovel her driveway. And then our neighbor, Don, across the street, uh, we shoveled the driveway for him. And now that he's passed away, well, we shovel for his wife. Uh, but none of your neighbors offered to help shovel. Hmm. At least 24 hours had passed since the snowfall ended and all the other driveways in the neighborhood were snow-free, but not ours. The, the tone of George's voice was really genuine surprise that no neighbors offered to help out with the need that another neighbor had. It was so contrary to his experience where he lived just three miles away and that he and his brother and sister were used to. We help our neighbors is a value his parents are passing on to him and raising him with. Now, George wasn't complaining or whining one bit. His comments were just very wistful, and they came across to me as just an observation and reflection upon human nature and with a twinge of sadness to it. You know, my, my heart ached for George that he saw this side of human nature about our neighbors that was so contrary to his own experience. I even briefly thought, well, maybe we should move. <laughs> I know George sees this side of humanity on a daily basis with his peers. He's no stranger to seeing the less flattering side of the human condition. But his surprise with our neighbor's lack of help showed that at 18 years of age, he's lost another measure of childhood innocence. The people you would have thought would have been there for you, other adults, were not. I also sensed he was feeling bad for me, that these were the kind of neighbors we have. My heart ached for his kind and tender heart. George knew what our former neighborhood was like. He saw it firsthand with people like Kevin, who lived across the street. In our former neighborhood, Kevin and I would clear driveways of snow for three neighbors. They were all much older than us. 
Kevin actually did a lot more than I did. But the two of us pitched in to help out our neighbors. When my mother died in March a number of years ago, we had a late winter snowfall of about three to four inches the day of her funeral. I didn't have time to snow blow the driveway, much less our neighbors, before the service as we had to leave in a hurry. But later that day when we got home, Kevin, or one of our other neighbors, had cleared our driveway of snow. No one asked them to, they just did it. Because in our neighborhood, a snow-covered driveway that went that way for any length of time told people that something was wrong. So they stepped in to help. Getting back to George's observation, I can imagine all kinds of legitimate reasons why people didn't help. If any of them would listen to this podcast, I'm sure they'd have a reasonable explanation for not helping out. Some of them might even be irritated at me for suggesting someone should have helped out. After all, it's not my neighbor's responsibility to keep my driveway clear of snow. The fact I help clear their drive a few times doesn't mean they owe me a return favor. I certainly get that, and that's really just fine. And I don't want to be critical, but I do want to make an observation. And that is, in this one instance with George, our current neighborhood personified what the Apostle Paul writes in Romans 12, too, where he says, Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. The pattern of this world, at least in our neighborhood, is not to help others in a jam. Keep to yourself. Take care of number one. Don't extend yourself. That's the behavior and custom of this world. You know, we have really nice people in our neighborhood. There's no conflict that I'm aware of. People are cordial and respectful of one another. And I suspect there are examples of caring and helping others that are going unnoticed by me. I'm pretty sure of that. Nevertheless, my heart still aches a bit for George. And it may very well be that my heart aches more for myself than him. George is a very caring person. You might remember uh, me talking about him in an earlier episode, how even as a first or second grader, he would hold open the door to his school to let teachers and other adults enter before him. And I've noticed in caring people like George and myself and others that every now and then, not often, But every now and then, you start to wonder, when's it going to be my turn? When are people going to care for me the way I care for them? I wonder if that was what George was feeling when he shoveled snow off our driveway a week or so ago. I know this thought crosses my mind every now and then, and it can lead to a sense of sadness really quickly. How then are we to respond to this inconvenient relational reality I describe? It begins with asking God for the wisdom and power to do a number of things. First of all, we need God's wisdom and power to resist the temptation to assign bad motives to people who do not care for us the way we want to be cared for. Everyone has stuff going on in their lives that we are unaware of. We need to cut people some slack. We need to extend grace. Secondly, 
we need to take to heart Philippians 2.4 and obey the command, do not be selfish, don't try to impress others, be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Just because people are not caring well for me doesn't mean I need to reciprocate and not care for them. A third thing we can do, and it comes from Mr. Rogers, Mr. Rogers' uh, neighborhood. Um, he, he talks in a documentary about, uh, about his program where he encourages children to, quote, look for the helpers. Now, as adults, we can look for the helpers when we need them and try to be like them, to look for the helpers to be role models whom we can emulate. Another thing we can do is to be a role model for others. The best version of yourself will have a strong component of caring for others. Number five, be courageous and ask for help when you need it. Number six, be okay with the feelings of sadness if they come. Don't minimize or flee from it. Just sit in it for a while, and before you know it, they will pass even when people aren't caring for you the way that you had hoped. And as you move forward, you can focus on being a more caring person yourself. If you forget everything else, here's the one thing I hope you remember from today's episode. When people you thought would be there for you and they fail to show up, respond with grace. Ask God to help you to be there for others, even if they don't show up for you. Because, after all, you were made for this. In closing, I hope your thinking was stimulated by today's show. Enough to respond in healthy ways when people disappoint us. For when we do, it will help us experience the joy of relationships God intends for us. Well, that's it for today. Please consider telling others about this podcast if you think it would be interesting and helpful to them. And don't forget to spread a little relational sunshine around the people you meet this week. Spark some joy for them. And I'll see you again next time. And I see that Carol is playing the outro that we used way back in episode 53. I kind of like it. Maybe we'll, we'll bring that back sometime. I don't know. In any event, I hope you all have a great rest of your week. Goodbye for now.